Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. 2 Samuel chapter number 6, verses number 11. Going to do just, just a little bit more reading than I, I like to, uh, but I want to set a firm foundation for today. Uh, the Bible declares the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed. Somebody shout, the Lord blessed. Yes, the Lord blessed him and his entire household. That's key. Now, King David was told the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. 16 says, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How, look, look, at this, look at this language she uses towards not just the king, but her husband. How the king of Israel has just so distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. David said to his wife, it was before the Lord. Somebody shout it was before the Lord. Who chose me rather than your father. <laughs> or anyone from his household when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michal, look at this daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Father, now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity to minister the word of God to the people of God. I'm hiding myself now, Greg McGee, yes, hiding myself now behind the cross that men may not see. Give honor, glory to me. All glory, all honor goes to you. Spirit of God, breathe through me today. And minister to the hearts and minds of your people. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, before I dive into the text, I want to highlight a scripture in 1 John 4, 19, where the Bible declares, we love him because he first loved us. Now, that's very interesting uh, because sometimes as believers, we don't really consider the fact that um, God fell in love with us first. And the reason we love him or our love has grown for him is because of the things that he continues to do for us. Can you say amen to that? And in any relationship, love should continue to grow. Uh, my wife and I, we were having a, um, well, it wasn't heated, fellas. It was just healthy conversation. And um, she was talking about all the stuff I, hadn't, I don't do and I, I should do and could have do. And you don't, you don't love me like you used to. <laughs> you understand? And the reality is I love her way more than what I used to. She threw this out there. She said, the Bible said you ought to die for me. <laughs> now, I thought about that for a second. I love her way more because, you know, what? we've been together, what, 20, 21 years now. 21 years ago, if somebody would come here with a gun, 
I'd be like, girl, you better get out. Get out. Get out, girl. That's love, y'all. Y'all said that's love. Because I could just be like, let me, let me, I could use the other shit, but I'm, I'm telling get out. But my love has grown. Let somebody come in here now. No. So when it comes to your relationship with God, your love grows, and your love grows based on what you, watch this, it's not based on what he has done for you, it's based on what you realize he did for you. My grandmother, if she was here, she'd say that, that there's, some, there's some praises you won't be able to give God until you get to heaven, because he kept you from danger seen and unseen. Y'all with me up in this place, huh? So, so I want to highlight some things that God did for David at the very beginning that made, that made this boy fall in love with God. We see this in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 16, verses number 1. The Bible declares, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be, to be king. Verses 6 says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord anointed, anointed stands here before the Lord. So he goes, he goes to Bethlehem. He goes to the house of Jesse. Jesse has eight sons, and the first son, the oldest son, walks in, and I could, I could just imagine him being tall, him being handsome, him being buff, and the prophet looks at him and says, surely that is the one that's going to govern, that's going to rule Israel. But verse number 7 declares, somebody shout, but the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. That's good all by itself. That's a whole other message right there. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what, y'all? Some of y'all just look at the aesthetics of a thing. She fine, he fine. Come on, somebody. But God says, I don't just look at the outward appearance. I'm looking at his at his heart, verse number 8 declares, Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But, but Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons, seven, seven of his sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. Now look at the question that the prophet asked. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Now, that question trips me out because everybody knows that the prophet is the one who anoints the king. So the prophet comes to Bethlehem. He comes to the city. He goes to a particular house, knocks on the door, meets Jesse, and tells Jesse, I am the man of God. I, I am Samuel, the prophet of the Lord, and God sent me to the house, to your house, to anoint one of your sons as future king. The question is, why didn't Jesse bring all his boys out? What was it about David that you thought it was so insignificant or not, not good enough that you wouldn't even consider that he might be the next king of Israel? So he asked Jesse, are, are these all the sons you have? They're, they're, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent him. This is so good. Let me just press pause for a second. Some of you guys weren't your parents' choice, but you guys' choice. 
And there's some of you guys in here, there's some of you guys in here still dealing with mama issues. You're still dealing with dad issues because they may have rejected you, may not have been there for you the way they were supposed to be. But despite them, God says you mine. I thought it'd be just a little bit better. Come, come on. You, you wasn't chosen by man, but somebody shout, I was chosen by God. So verse 12 declares, so he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one, the one that nobody thought would be here, but this is, this is the one. Now, 13, I want to highlight a couple of things, just two things in 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brother. Somebody shout, he anointed him. So, so he is, he is, th there are three anointings that David is going to go through. The one is, this first one is in his household. The second one is amongst Judah. The third one is, is amongst all of Israel. So this house anointing amongst his family members, he anoints him as king there in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, th here's the second thing, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So there are two things, there are two things when you're, somebody shout, I am God's choice. I need you to see this. When you are God's choice, there are two things that he gives you when you're his choice. Could, could I be oversimplifying this? Yes, but I, I, I think I can put them in these two broad categories. When you, when you are God's choice, you are blessed, number one, with presence from God. Number two, you're blessed with the presence of God. Presence, he gives you stuff. Presence, he gives you him. When, when you are the choice of God, somebody shout again, I am the choice of God. When you are the choice, you now have the right, watch this, to seek the hand of God and also seek the face of God. Because I am his son, because I am his choice, I have the right to seek his hand and ask him for his stuff but I also have the privilege to approach him and ask him for more intimacy with him. Now, now here is the deal. Here is the deal because, because David is blessed with both. We'll see it in the text. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And that's, that's the position, number two. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. So David is blessed with the position of king, but he's also blessed with the presence of God. The reason I'm highlighting these two is because I believe that God wants to do something greater in your life. And the greater thing that he does for you includes both stuff and him. Can somebody say amen to that? So God is going to give me more things. God is going to give me greater positions. God's going to give me titles. But he's not only going to give me stuff, he's also going to give me more of him. This is the challenge for the people of God. He's going to give you both, but you can only lean in one direction. He's going to give you both, but you can only lean in one direction. And for those of us who really grow in the things of God, or, or let me just contrast, those who really don't grow in the things of God are usually those individuals who are more... Uh, focus on what he can do for you versus who he is to you. Let me just pause right there and just ask the question. If, if God right now just answered all the prayers that you've been petitioning him, and not only past prayers, anything that you would ever ask, he went ahead and gave it to you what, would you, what would you have with him? Would you really still seek him? Would you really still love him? Would you really lay out before him, continue to lay out before him? Because sometimes our prayers, and, and there's nothing wrong with stuff. Again, God gave that to us, but you can, I got a lot of rooms in my house, but I can only sleep in one at a time. 
And the question as the people of God, which one are you going to sleep in? The room with all the stuff or the room with just... This is what David chose. In Psalms 27, he highlights, he says, the Lord is my light and my... Somebody shout salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat of my flesh, they would, y'all. God calls them to stumble and to fall. Three says, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me, and this I will be confident. So, so verses one through three highlights what God does for him. The presence of God, the, the presence that God gives. When he, he gives me salvation. He gives me strength when I'm, when I'm weak. When, when haters hate, he calls them to stumble and fall in the same trap that they set for me. When my heart, it, when, when, when things are going crazy and chaotic in my life, he guards my heart and he keeps me from fearing. When people are coming against me, there's a boldness that rises up against, it rises up on the inside of me. So these are things that God does for me. But what David said in verse number four, David says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek. What is it? Your stuff? No. David said that I may dwell, my God, in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Can somebody say amen to that? Now, let me highlight a couple of things just for a second, because when he talks about the house of the Lord, David is not just talking about going to church. Real, real funny, my wife and I, we were going to a banquet on Friday night, and um, I really didn't want to take my kids because I, <laughs> I wanted to be by myself. Praise the Lord, just me and my wife. So I asked them, I, but, but it's, it's nice to at least offer. So I, I at least wanted to offer to take them to the banquet because the food was phenomenal. And I did have cheesecake. Praise the Lord. I sure did. He called my name. He said, Greg. I said, yes. <laughs> so I went in there and I asked my babies. I said, um, hey, um, do you guys want to go to church tonight or do you want to stay here and watch TV? <laughs> I did extend the invitation. <laughs> Charity just looked straight like she didn't hear nothing. <laughs> Nate smiled. Teresa said, oh, we good. <laughs> let, let, me, let me highlight what this, this deal is about the house of the Lord. It wasn't that he just wanted to go to church. It was the thing that was associated with the house of the Lord. Within the house of, of God was an object called, somebody shout, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was symbolic to the invisible presence of God. Uh, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, it highlights the Ark of, uh, Ark of the Covenant. It says, the extension or embodiment of the presence of Yahweh, a portable throne. Oh, that's so good. A portable throne for the invisible presence of Yahweh. The, 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 the Ark of the Covenant was the place that God sat. It goes on to say the ark was designed to be a symbol of the presence of God in the midst of his people. When the people were to leave the mountain where God had caused them to realize his presence, Exodus 30 and 6, when he first manifested his presence to them, they, they realized that that's, I need that in my life. And if you notice, when you read through the Kings and, and the Samuels and the Chronicles, whenever the people of God got ready to go into battle, one of the things they always wanted to be there was the Ark of the Covenant. Because if the Ark of the Covenant goes with us, it symbolizes the presence of God. And how can you lose a battle when God is on your side? The Ark was made to serve as a comfortable assurance 
that he would indeed accompany them on the journey. So when David says, watch this, when he says there's one thing, okay, God is my salvation, the, the Lord is, is in my salvation, the strength of my life, when he, he, he uh, uh, keeps my heart from fear, when he goes down these lists of things that God does for him, he pauses and he says that there's one thing that I really want though. I want to be in the house of the Lord. Why? Because in the house of God, I experience the presence of God. I don't want just stuff. Somebody shout, I want him. So this is where we pick up at 2 Samuel chapter number 6. Actually, this particular scripture, um, in Psalms 27, is written later in David's life. In 2 uh, Samuel, this is the early part of David's life. And in the early part of his life, he's anointed king but he doesn't have household presence. That's what we're going to deal with on, with, uh, on Thursday night when I, when I teach. Uh, the, the, one of the things that we're going to be engaging, all the pastors we talk, and we're going to deal um, different aspects of spiritual warfare, and I'm going to deal with the aspects of breaking principalities. Because there's two levels of spiritual warfare. There's a devil that fights your mind, but then there's a devil that hovers over your house. So you got to do more than just break the one that fights your mind. You also got to deal with the one that hovers over your. So David is anointed as king. So he has the presence of God on him. But because the Ark of the Covenant is not in the house of God, he has presence on him, but not over his kingdom. And David says, I'm not satisfied with the position. I got to have the presence. That's why I pose the question, if God went ahead and fulfilled your Christmas list, come on somebody, Lord, I need you to do this by the third. If God went ahead and did all of that, would you still want him or would you be just satisfied with what he could do for? David says, you made me king, but I'm not satisfied with just being king because what is the title without the presence of God in my life? Can somebody say amen to that? So we see 2 Samuel chapter number 5. This is his third time being anointed king. The first time is in Jesse's house. The second time is in Judah amongst his people, his kindred. The third time is amongst all of Israel. The Bible declares when all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over, over Israel. He, so he is, he is anointed the third time publicly in front of everybody. But after being anointed, he's not satisfied with position. Somebody shout, I got to have presence. So this is the backstory of the Ark of the Covenant. When Eli was the priest, the people of God went into battle with the Philistines, and the Philistines whooped them left and right. They were out of fellowship with God. Watch this. They had relationship, but they were out of fellowship. And you got to be careful because, because you can be saved, but, but not in right standing with God meaning you have faith enough to be saved, but you don't have love enough to be in fellowship with him. Nathaniel McGee will always be my daddy. He'll always be my daddy. But based on how we relate to one another determines the level of closeness that we'll have while we're father and son together in this side. Can you say amen to that? So, so the people of God, their hearts are far away from God, and they, they just look at the symbol itself, the Ark of the Covenant, as the presence of God, and they go into battle with, with, with the Ark of the Covenant, and God does not show up for them because you just, you just satisfied with the symbol. 
but you don't want the real. You satisfied with the shadow, but not the object. So the Ark of the Covenant gets captured. And the Philistines, God started doing all kind of miraculous things against them. And the Philistines, like, we can't have this with us. Because they wake up one morning, their God is, is kneeled down. It has, has tumbled over. Their idol has tumbled over, uh, bowing down at the ark. They get stuff like hemorrhoids. Everybody in the camp gets hemorrhoids because of the ark of the... I'm talking about God just started messing them up. After a while, they said, we got to send this bad boy back. So they send it away, and it lands. And so, so what David says, David understands, I got position, but I don't have presence. I have personal position, but I don't have, I don't have the presence of God that's filling the kingdom, that's filling the temple, that's filling the tabernacle. I don't have that. So he says, I got to go and get the Ark of the Covenant. So the first time he gets it, we didn't read it. You can go back and read it, verses uh, number 1 through 8 in 2 Samuel chapter number 6. The first time he goes to get it, he makes a major mistake. Because how many know if you're going to enter into God's presence, you've got to do it his way? The scripture declares that he built a new cart, and they set the Ark of the Covenant on the new cart. You think that's a good idea, but it's not God's idea. The way God wanted the Ark of the Covenant carried, he wanted priests consecrated, carrying the Ark of the Covenant with poles. But David, David, David puts it on a new cart and have oxen to carry it. And the Bible declares that the oxen stumbled, and there was one that reached out to, 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 to steady the Ark of the Covenant. He touched it, and he died instantly because you can't play with the presence of God like that. Let me talk just for a second for those who do what I do, my preachers, my teachers, and my reachers. You can't play with the presence of God, want him to show up on here, but he can't show up at your house. Why you want him to show up on the platform when you don't want him to show up nowhere else? Don't run on me, Jamie. Don't run. <laughs> Be careful. Somebody asks you to pray, and, you, and you're trying to thunder down heaven, just spitting all over them. God, 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 God move. Just spitting all over them. Want God to move, but you don't pray like that nowhere else. So David is discouraged because he's after the presence of God, trying to enter in his own He's entering in his own way. That's a whole other message. Jesus. So people of God, we can't use psychics because that's an illegal way to enter into the spirit realm. You can't use those little scrolls that you see in the grocery store because that is an illegal way to get information out of the spirit realm. It is cursed by God. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. Our access into the holies of holies is through the, the person of the Holy Spirit. If we go any other way, watch this, it is illegal and damnation comes on those who goes any other way. So he's trying to get the presence of God in his own strength with his own wisdom, but God says, no, there is a way that I come to you, but you got to do it. Somebody shout, you got to do it my way. So David is discouraged because he tries to do it his own way. It fails, and the Bible declares, watch this, watch this. He parks the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, at the house of Obed-Edom. That's what we pick up in verse number 11. Verse number 11 says, the Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And what did God do? And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Why? Because the presence of the Lord was parked in his house. Verse 12 says, now King David was told. Somebody came to David and said, hey, hey David, you heard about Obed. Man, they poured him a new slab on his driveway. 
He got brand new shutters, brand new landscaping. He added on that room in the back and put an in-ground pool in the backyard. What happened? The presence of the Lord showed up. The Bible declares, now King David was told the Lord had blessed the house of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of what, y'all? Because the presence of God was there. The Ark of the Covenant was there. So David went to bring up, see, y'all don't even understand. Y'all don't even understand. Oh, Jesus. I have grown in the last year, few years of my life, not because I just had an eagerness about God. I've grown because I had a godly jealousy about what God was doing in other folk's life. And I said, if he can do it in their life, surely he can do it. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. I got tired of being in worship and everybody around me with their hands lifted up, tears streaming down their eyes. I'm in the same house, but I ain't feeling what they're feeling. And I want to feel that thing that you feel that make you just shout, hallelujah, glory to God. I want to feel that thing that causes you to cry when ain't nothing sad going on in your life. It's other people's relationship provoke me to seek after God. David said, what, 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 what's going on now? You say his house is blessed because the presence of God is there. I believe I need to go get that ark again. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm going to get my ark. I'm going to get my ark. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed to the city of David with rejoicing. Now, now watch this because this is crazy. Mm, 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 mm. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fat calf, wearing a linen ephod. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. I understand. I, oh, my. This is so good. This is so good. Jesus. Jesus. Uh, Tafari, he got a he got a game at at one thirty, right? Is it one thirty today? Now just imagine, just imagine, if he stole the ball, dribbled down court, and just dunked. <laughs> Y'all laughing like it'd be a miracle too, right? Right? <laughs> just 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 imagine, he just dunked. Let's not go that far. He steals, dribbles. Stops at the three-point line. Just, just pull up like Steph. Just pull up. He could drive and do a layup, but you know what? Pull up and hit that three-pointer. Which, I mean, what, what would y'all be like? Now he would be like, you can't do it. Come on, man. Come on. Because you, you wouldn't be sitting there like, Okay, so this is what I need y'all to do. This is what I need y'all to do. I need you to ma imagine your baby or your cousin, your little cousin who you love, your, your neighbor who you like, maybe love, I don't know, but y'all have a connection. Steal the ball. Drove her down the court. Could go for the layup, but just stop and pull up. Make the shot. What y'all gonna do? 
club up! Tell the club up! That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Pookie, she take her medication today. <laughs> I mean, it'll be so much excitement. Because that's my boy. That's the kind of, but see, when you're, that excite, when you're that excited, it's like you lose consciousness of the, pre like she just lost, she lost it for a minute. She really did. <laughs> it's like you lose consciousness of what's going on. And David was so excited about being close to God again. that the boy lost it. In the Bible declares, he danced so hard, he danced out of his clothes. Now, I'm not asking you to do that. <laughs> Touch your neighbor, say, neighbor, keep your clothes on, keep your, keep your clothes tied down, wrap it up, whatever you need, <laughs> come on somebody, because if you don't wrap it up, we got ushers that we'll, we will. <laughs> Watch this, our ushers are trained to wrap you up. <laughs> you think you're gonna get loose? Uh-uh, you finna get wrapped up in here. <laughs> This boy dances so hard for God. <laughs> he dances out of his clothes. The Bible declares wearing a linen ephah, David was dancing before the Lord. Somebody shout with all his might. <sighs> While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Now, let me, let me pause for a second because this, this is the deal. I, I know EMCC. I've been pastoring here for the past 12 years. I know where we were. I know where we have grown to. And I also know where we're going. And I can say this with boldness, confidence, slash cockiness. It is close to impossible for you to be connected to this house with an open heart and engaged with all the things we do and not grow. It's close to impossible. Now, are there people in this house that are not growing? Absolutely. Some of them because they simply not connected. They on the membership roll, but they kind of come when they want to, or their hearts are not really open to receive, sometimes for me, sometimes just ministry in general. They just hear sliding their time card and they're not growing. I'm telling you, it's impossible for you to be connected and engaged and not grow. And that's what I'm excited about. Okay, yeah, are, are we going to continue to grow in numbers? Are people going to continue to join the church? Absolutely, but that really don't excite me because people come, people go. What really excites me is when people come, they connect, they commit, and their lives go to the next level. Can folk look at them and be like, what's wrong with you? Something different about you. You do something to your hair? No. It's the same. 
what you notice about me is in all actuality, you can't even see it. But you know there's a difference on the inside of me. And I'm telling you, as you continue to grow in God, you will experience persecution. You will experience haters. You will experience pe people who will try to tear you down because of your growth. The Bible declares when David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar, vulgar fellow would do. So I, I pose the question, man. Somebody shout, Lord, take me higher. I believe God's going to do that. I'm telling you, I'm telling you from a pastoral perspective, it's impossible to commit to this house, open your spirit, and engage in all that we offer and not grow. It just don't, you, you, don't, you don't go to the gym five times a week, work out, eat right, and not see some results along the way. Now, if you one of them ones, you go to the gym one day and you squat, you bench press, and you hurt the next day and decide to take a two-week break, you're going to be in pain, but you're not going to see no results. But despite the pain, the soreness, I'm going to commit five days a week. It's impossible to not see results. So as you continue to grow in God, is the devil going to fight you? Absolutely. But oftentimes, sometimes he's going to use people, and sometimes it's not even the devil. Sometimes people are, somebody shout, jealous. I know it. I know sometimes people got a jealous heart. Now, I use the example that I was provoked to a jealousy, but it was a godly jealousy because I knew that God doesn't have a respect to person. He has a respect to principle. Yeah. My wife and I, we're listening to this new guy. He has 24 churches in seven states. 24 churches in seven states. Um, I, I, I'll be honest. I don't want 24 churches in seven states. I do, not, I, do not want, I do not want that. Praise the Lord. I'm just trying to be faithful over one. But the reality is in the future, I'm going to plant again. I am going to plant again. So I'm, I'm sitting at the feet of this guy because I believe that God doesn't have respect to person. I don't believe he got 24 churches in seven states just because God like him like that. Is the hand of God upon his life? I believe it. Is the favor of God upon his life? I believe that. But there are some practical things that he's doing that's causing him to be a better leader so that he can effectively communicate to guys that don't even live in his same city. So the hand of God, the grace of God, I'll leave that up to God, how he want to do that. But there are some leadership things that I can develop in, that I can grow in by sitting at his feet. And I want to sharpen myself in that. So, so am I jealous in that capacity? No, there's a godly jealousy that's provoking me to do better. But there is an evil jealousy sometimes people have. And this is the, why, the reason they have it is because sometimes they're so busy looking at your timeline and looking at what God is doing in your life that they fail to realize what God has already done in their life. But one thing I can't stand is ungrateful kids. And especially when it manifests in my own house. I can't stand nobody ungrateful child. Will never be thankful for what you have already, always looking at what somebody else got and never show appreciation for what you've already been given. Sometimes jealousy. Sometimes, sometimes people... People fight you because of the lack of understanding. They just don't know what God is doing in your life because God didn't tell them. When I was laying on my couch, 
13, 14 years ago, I heard God speak to me and say empowerment ministries. My wife wasn't in the room. My kids wasn't in the room. Wasn't none of y'all in the room. My mama wasn't in the room. Nobody was in the room. I heard God, so I stepped out based on what I heard. Did people fight me? Absolutely. And many of them fought me because they didn't hear what I heard. Some people like fight you because of lack of understanding, and then some people fight you because of lack of communication. It's because it's not that they didn't hear it from God, but they should have heard it from should have heard it from you. Shouldn't be a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise. Don't hurt me, sweetheart. Shouldn't be a surprise of what God is doing in my life to my wife, because He talks to me, and then I communicate to her what God is saying to me. And if you, the, the biggest fights we have, the biggest, biggest fights we have is when I'm obeying God and I forgot to tell her. <laughs> because God's speaking to her, so the, so the Lord didn't speak to you? Well, I guess I'll talk to you then if he didn't. <laughs> no, if he's talking to you, you need to communicate it to all of those, even in our staff and our boards. I do my best. Not perfect at it, but I do my best. When God points me in a, a direction, see, there's a difference. There's a difference. We have several things on the table, and I'm, God just hadn't talked to me. He hadn't talked to me, so I'm throwing it out there to the board. I'm throwing it out there to the staff because I need some direction. I need some wisdom. But then there are times when I know exactly what God wants to do because he talked to me. He spoke to me. So it's my responsibility to communicate to all of those who are involved to let them know what God said to so sometimes lack of communication, sometimes it's love and fear. What's love and fear? I'll never forget when we launched this campus right here, the second location, it was my mama. You're just doing too much, Greg. You're doing too much. Don't take all that. You find downtown. You're doing too. You know what she was doing? Her love for me was trying to stop me from being hurt. So it was love and fear all at the same time. Because I love you, I don't want you to get hurt. And then finally, sometimes people are just, somebody shout, people are just evil sometimes. So I want to I help you. I want to help you. And, and I, I apologize because I got a different series next week. This is actually two messages in one. I preached 75% of one and 25% of the other. And, and I did it like that because I didn't want to hold y'all past, just past. <laughs> Because I don't know how long we hold it. Praise the Lord. Some, somebody shout, people will fight. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Now, um, you were excited when I got saved. And the reason you was excited is because you was tired of me going to the club with you, getting sloppy drunk and embarrassing you. So you was glad I got a little religion. What you didn't realize is I got a lot. So not only am I not getting sloppy drunk, I ain't even going to the club with you no more. So you was excited about me not getting sloppy drunk, but now you mad at me because I ain't there to buy the drinks for everybody and to pay your way in. <laughs> so your closeness with God is now becoming an inconvenience to me because you, you, you can't, and, and now, now, now I'm going to attack you. Now I'm going to attack you. I'm not going to attack the fact that you're not going to the club no more to buy drinks for everybody the way you used to. I'm going to attack you and say, oh, so now you're giving all your money to that preacher. All the church getting your money. I see where your money going. And they will come with, to church with you just to see how much you give. I know what I'm talking about. 
So people will fight. Sometimes in your household, sometimes it's family members, sometimes it's friends, sometimes it's folks that don't even know you. They just checking you out and they see you making, they see you drawing closer to God and they, they don't mind you becoming a, 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 a better person, a good person. They don't want you to be a sold out person because when you sold out, now you do things on purpose for God and sometimes at their expense. Certain things I just can't do no more because of my love for God. So when you encounter that, and somebody shout, you will. Just look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you will. Because you know what's going to happen? God's going to continue to show. He's already chose you. He's already blessed you. He's already poured out things. The scripture declares that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have it entered into the heart. The things that God has, somebody shout, prepared. Prepared. Prepared means already. E-D at the end of Prepared. So that means there are some things that God has already released in, your, in the spirit realm for you. You don't even understand. <laughs> you know what prayer is? Prayer is one element is drawing it out of the heavenlies and manifested it in the natural. But this is what you need to understand about God. God is not limited by time. So when you pray and he drops it, he drops it into the day that it's supposed to manifest. So you continue to pray, not so he can drop it into that day. You continue to pray so you can keep your spirit right so when the day comes, you'll be ready for what he's already put in that day. What you've been asking God for is already released in a Monday. It's already released in a Tuesday. It's already released in a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It has already been dropped from the spirit realm in the natural realm because God is not limited by time. When you ask him for it, he gives it to you. He drops it in the day that you're supposed to get it. So you keep your, look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, keep your spirit right. Keep your spirit right. So oftentimes what the enemy will do, he will prick people's heart. He will prick people's heart to try to pull on you, to take you away from your commitment, to take you away from your sacrifice, to take you away from your prayers. So three things that I want you to do. Number one, be bold. Somebody shall be bold. Number two, be consistent. Somebody shall be consistent. Number three, somebody shall be humble. I want you to be humble. You got to be bold. You got to be consistent. You got to be humble. David is pursuing, he got the position, he has the natural power, but he lacks the presence of God for his house. He is pursuing the presence of God, and in pursuing the presence of God, Michal mocks him. And this is what David chooses to do. He chooses to be bold. He chooses to be consistent. He chooses to be humble. Let me show you in the text here. 2 Samuel 6.20 says, David said to Michal, it was, somebody shout, it was before the Lord. This didn't have nothing to do with you. It had nothing to do with it. It was before the Lord who chose, here it is, who chose me rather than your father. That's a real problem because you wish your father was still in position rather than me. Somebody shout, it ain't my fault. It's just my time. It's just my time. Who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me rule over the Lord's people Israel I will celebrate look look at the boldness I I will celebrate before the Lord I'm not going to let your nasty attitude stop me from being faithful to God I will celebrate before the Lord I choose to somebody shall be bold, be bold. And not only be bold but be what y'all be consistent he says I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes, but by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. You know why? Because I'm not going to back down to my dedication and my commitment to God because you don't like what I'm doing. 
Here's number 20, uh, verse number 23. Somebody shall be bold. Somebody shall be consistent. Number three, be humble. The Bible declares that Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to that day, to the day of her death. See, this is what some of you guys mess up. You bold, and in your boldness, you wind up being rude. I said, don't just be bold, but you need to also be humble. What, what, what do you mean? Sometimes you will spend the rest of your life trying to prove to people that God spoke to you. You got nothing to prove to nobody. And then some of you guys go on the opposite end of the spectrum. You don't prove it. Sometimes you wish certain harm or certain, certain uh, 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 ill to them because they don't support you or they don't, they don't believe in you. It's like the man lying there at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. And Jesus, 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 the miracle worker, Jesus, the healer, is standing there and asks the man, wilt thou be made whole? And he says to the miracle worker, he says to the healer, I would be whole, but I ain't got nobody to help me up. Every time the, every time the water is, is, is troubled, children run past me. Women run past me. Everybody pass me up and won't nobody. I'm like this because I don't want nobody to help me. And so you blame everybody else because of your condition when Jesus is there. So he says, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. So what happened to Michal, daughter of Saul, she had no children. Somebody shall no children. Now understand the significance because somebody will take this out of context. Maybe somebody can't have babies and you'll be thinking maybe the Lord is punishing me. No, understand the context of verse number 23. Every woman, every, somebody said every woman. Every woman in, the, in Israel wanted to bear children, and particularly, they wanted to bear a male child. Not because this is some male chauvinistic society, no. They wanted to bear children because of what was said to Eve back in Genesis chapter number 3. God spoke to Eve and said that there is something coming out of your loins that's going to bruise the head of the enemy. He's going to hurt, he's going to hurt, bruise his heel, but his heel is going to bruise his head. So every woman that has a baby, especially a male child, births in hope that she might be the one to birth the Messiah that's soon to come. So the punishment she receives, God says to her, not only will you not bear children, but the Messiah, you can be assured he'll never come through your bloodline. Because you spoke against what God was doing in the life of this man. The Bible declares, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no, no harm. Let me just pause there for a second because some of you guys, and I see y'all, I love you, I love you, and I, but I see you, and it's ridiculous. Some of you guys have these Facebook wars, Instagram wars, and all this other kind of social media craziness where you back and forth on people. Don't do that. Don't do that. At least two times a year, and it's already happened one time. Jesus, it happened early. Couldn't even wait till July. Will somebody get on it? Oh, snap. This don't happen two times. Oh, my goodness. So this is the rest, rest of the year. I'm good. Somebody get on Facebook, and they, they um, try to blast your boy. And it's crazy, they, they never have nothing of substance to say. They're just speaking out of their flesh. Now, what would it look like for me to read on their timeline? Pastor, you see, what, you see what they said about you? You see what they said? Girl, what they say? And then I go on there. The devil is a lie. Watch this. Some of you guys are dignifying people's 
criticism against you by your response. Watch this, watch this. The, the person I put there, she has a limited, she, Jesus. <laughs> I'm narrowing it down. They have a limited <laughs> sphere of influence. If I respond back, not only do their sphere of influence see the craziness, not everybody who's connected to me on social media now sees the Now I've dignified the comment and made it important and relevant in my eyes and to everybody that's connected to me. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So when people come at you because of your commitment to Christ, be bold. Somebody shall be bold. Don't just be bold, be consistent. Because if you don't be consistent, they will, they, you will prove them right. Because there's some people in your life right now telling you what they say in chat, it don't take all of that. It don't take all of that. God knows your heart. You know how wicked and corrupt it is, man. He knows he's still working on my heart. And I'm your pastor, and I'm telling you, he's still working on mine too. Yeah, he knows my heart. So there's some people that have come against you. But be bold. Be consistent. I'm done. Number three, be humble. Be humble, because I learned this years ago. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed, waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way, and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org, and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.